You are listening to Wealthy Muslim Woman Podcast, episode number 16, with Saima Ali, MD. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I hope everyone is doing wonderful. It is already October and it's getting cold outside. I do not like winter. I love summertime and I love the sun and I love being outdoors and going hiking. So I am not looking forward to next three, four months, but this is life and we have to live through it. So we'll try to make the best out of it. Anyways, I hope everybody's doing great and I hope you've had the time to listen to some of the previous episodes. Today's episode is one of the most important episodes. Actually, I think it's it will be the most important episodes I've recorded so far. The today's topic will be happiness. What makes us happy? What makes us satisfied in our lives and how how can we live a content and happy life and have happy memories at the end of our age? Well, where else to look than the famous Harvard study? So this study was started back in 1938. It's the longest study that's been running and it has provided a lot of useful data. The study is called Harvard Study of Adult Development. It started back in 1938. They recruited 268 Harvard sophomores and they started asking them questions. Well, initially the study's goal was to see what makes people successful and they never considered some of the traits that were brought out later over the years they thought what made people successful was their intelligence and they were measuring people's skull sizes and measuring their jaw lines um, and getting data on their organs and on their health basically to see what advantages they would have. Later in uh, 1970s, the study also recruited 456 young teens from uh, inner Boston neighborhoods. These are the poorest of the poor neighborhoods. These are the kids that had no advantages that the Harvard kids would have. And of course, they're all men because Harvard was not open to women at the time. So original participants, all 724 of them were men and their lives are being studied since then. Now, Less than 19 of those original participants are still alive, and they are in their 90s. One of uh, the most famous participants was actually JFK, the president, John F. Kennedy. So many of these people went through life becoming successful you know, lawyers, doctors, businessmen, other careers, and some of them did not were not as successful in life and became alcoholics, became bound to mental health and uh, just other things. And and there were people who went from the inner Boston city that climbed up the, the ladder. And then there were people from the Harvard group that actually climbed the ladder down. So they have data going both ways. Now, recently, they have also added 
the wives and then the kids of those original participants. So it's a really exciting study and it may go on, I hope, for a long time. They are currently on their four director. And these uh, participants are interviewed every two years. These researchers go into their homes, they interview them in their living rooms, they get blood tests done, do DNA testing on them, they get MRIs done of their head MRIs, you know, their other organs to look at how they are doing physically and also how they are doing mentally. So it's a very extensive study, very in-depth analysis. And what we have learned from this study is just fascinating. If you ask a young person in their 20s or their teen years, you know, what do you think the secret for success success is what do you think will make you live a happy healthy life and a majority of the people answer it will be money and it will be fame so fame and money are the two major answers that people answer that will make them happy and healthy and give them a good life and that's what we chase when we are younger but what are the lessons that we actually learned from this study. The study actually shows that the most important factor for living a physical healthy and a mental healthy life and content, satisfied, happy life is not money and it's uh, not fame, but it's actually relationships. Relationships and how happy we are are strongly, strongly related. And they, they have the most powerful effect on our health. The most important lesson we learn is that yes, tending to your body and taking care of your body is very important, but tending to your relationships, nurturing your relationship is actually a form of self-care and you need to invest in your relationships to try to make them better, to try to improve them because they have the most effect on your health and on your well-being. The people in the study who were happiest or most satisfied in their relationship at age 50 were the healthiest at age 80. They were healthier mentally. They had less memory issues, less dementia-related diseases, and they actually had less cholesterol levels. They had less of other physical medical problems than people who were not in satisfied relationships so it's actually close relationships more than money and more than fame that make people happier and healthier relationships were a better predictor of happier lives than even social status or their iq level or even their genes and the people in healthier relationships again had delayed mental health decline and delayed physical health decline and this was true for both harvard men and for the inner city participants these are the poor kids that they recruited who had no social benefits it was true for both groups the study has had four directors by now it's you know over uh, 70 80 years old now 
the current uh, director, his name is Robert uh, Weldinger. He has a really good TED Talk. It's called uh, What Makes a Good Life? Lessons from the Longest Study on Happiness. It's a TED Talk and you could go see it. It's about 10 minutes long. It's not that uh, lengthy, but it's a really good talk. And he explains how relationships have such a positive impact on our lives. He says one of the lessons is that loneliness kills. It's as powerful as smoking or alcoholism. Marital satisfaction has a protective effect on people's mental health. Unhappy married people suffered more emotional and more physical pain as well. After the woman had been recruited into the study, the study also showed that for women who felt securely attached to their partner in a marriage, they were less depressed and had better memory function than women who were not. And this does not mean that these couples, uh, these married people never argued in their lives. They were arguing, they were fighting with each other, bickering about things. But the most important factor that they had was that they believed, they strongly believed that if things got tough, then their partner would have their bo- uh, would have their back or their partner would be there for them. So they felt securely attached knowing that their spouse will be there for them if things got tough. George Valent was the previous director of the study and he says when the study began, nobody cared about empathy or attachment, but the key to healthy aging is relationships, relationships, relationships. This study is the longest going and it's funded by the NIH and uh, it has a lot of data and that they're still trying to extrapolate. But there are many other studies on, of course, happiness and money. Uh, Many economists and uh, other folks are trying to understand what actually makes people happy. And the result from most of these studies has been that it is actually not money that makes people happy. Beyond the point of which people can buy enough comfort where they can feed themselves, where they can clothe themselves, and where they can house themselves, more money beyond that does not bring more happiness. People are only a little bit more happier after that point from having money. Martin Seligman is one of the founders of positive psychology, and he developed a five core elements of psychological well-being and happiness. He believes that these five elements can help people work towards a life of satisfaction, happiness, and meaningful life. And he called this model is called a PERMA model. What is stand, the P stands for positive emotions. E stands for engagement, R stands for relationships, M stands for meaning, and A stands for accomplishments. The positive emotions is being optimistic in life, looking at life challenges and seeing hope and seeing a constructive perspective and being uh, having the feeling that you are able to work through those challenges. Positive emotions is basically feeling good and having optimism. How can you increase positive emotions uh, for your past? Well, you can forgive people. Forgiveness is one of uh, the most relieving and freeing experience that you can have. 
You can also cultivate uh, gratitude in everyday life. Try to be thankful for something. There, there are so many things that we can be thankful for. Our health, being able to see, being able to hear, just being alive and being able to breathe is something to be grateful for. And uh, also just enjoying the things that you do on a daily basis when you are doing an activity that you love, you you realize that the time just flies by doing more of those things that are your hobby and um, also being my practicing mindfulness meditation and having hope about the future just being optimistic that things will get better these are the ways we can bring positive emotions into our lives engagement is being involved in activities that you would enjoy Uh, playing a musical instrument or going hiking or you're having a reading a book that you really love and you are just into it biking going out and gardening anything any activity where you are completely engaged and then of course relationships this is where we spent majority of the first time so relationships are just so fundamental and uh, investing in your relationships and spending time with your loved ones uh, scheduling activities with them uh, connecting with your kids connecting with your parents with everybody else that's one of the most important factors And then meaning is just sense of having a purpose in life, setting goals for yourself, setting goals for your family. Religion is actually part of this. There are studies that have shown that people who practice religion are happier and uh, they cannot precisely say if it's just from being religious or it's the community that comes with the religion so you are going to the mosque or the church and you have other people to engage with and is it the social aspect that is bringing the happiness and the uh, the satisfaction or is it just having a belief in the higher um, entity or god and accomplishments setting goals for yourselves and achieving those goals getting educated, setting some other higher goals for yourself to succeed, that actually brings people satisfaction and happiness in life. And when you have these things, people are more likely to live better physical lives, better mental health lives, perform better at work, perform better at home, have more satisfying relationships, and have a lower rate of burnout. Another point that I read was actually spending money on others. Helping others makes people more happier than spending money on themselves. Isn't that fascinating? We're always chasing money and thinking that money is going to make us happy. But it's actually when we spend money on others and help others, that's what makes us happy. We are very social creatures. Loneliness can really kill you. Solitary confinement is the one of the worst type of punishments out there. It is a mental torture and a physical torture for the person. And that is also a reason why time out where you put kids in the corner and they are isolated and not able to be engaged is also a negative punishment. It, it will have a negative long-term impact for many psychologists and psychiatrists who study this type of 
punishment. They said you should not put kids in isolation and put them in uh, confined cubicles as a sort of punishment or time out. They should be engaged, have some sort of activity like talking to them. That actually will have a positive impact on their upbringing. Newer studies are showing that timeouts are not only ineffective in stopping the bad behavior, but they are damaging to kids' health. Anyways, this was the talk for today. There is so much, so much more to talk on this topic, but we have to cut it short. Why did I talk about happiness and uh, about what makes a healthier, happier life? Well, that's my goal. Our goal is not to live a wealthy life just in sense of having more money, more materialistic wealth, but living a more content life, more satisfied life, a life that you can look back at and say, I did good. So that's my goal with you all. And also accumulating material wealth is also a lot of behavior. I'll repeat this again, that 80% of finance is behavior and only 20% is knowledge. The knowledge is easy to obtain. You can read these checklists on Google. You can read it anywhere, but it's actually knowing how to how to handle all this information and how to actually implement it in your life to take a positive effect. That's what matters at the end of the day. Anyways, until next time, the next couple of episodes will also be on behavioral and on how to improve our lives with our thoughts. All right. I'll look forward to speaking to you all soon, inshallah. Bye.